Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted, where we step out of those closets of our life and make the bold moves we're meant to make. And the person I'm bringing on today, we've been running into each other in different places, and it was an Instagram post that kind of caught my eye because this guy is one of those guys I'm like, he's got it all going on. And it's such a funny thing when we do that, when you're like, I look at this person that got it all going on, which he does. And then you see them really put something out there that says, wow, they are just like me. They've got some stuff that's going on. And when I saw Jeff post that, you know, I feel like I've never done anything that really felt like like a success. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And this was so interesting. And that's why I wanted to bring Jeff Goins on to the podcast today. He's an author. He has a huge amount of raving fans, all this sort of stuff going on for him, best-selling author, and um, even helps other people ghostwrite their books, so on and so forth. And then suddenly I saw this and we're both dads and all this sort of stuff. And I thought this is a great connection because someone somewhere always thinks they're not doing as good as they should. And every one of us comes up against it. And it's a beautiful closet that each of us has the opportunity to step out of. And that's why I wanted to bring Jeff on to Life Uncloseted today. So welcome, Jeff, to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, man. Thanks, Rick, for having me. Uh, It's an honor to be here. Yeah, yeah. So here you are clipping along. Things are good. You're doing all these great things. And suddenly, we're going to just dive right into it. You had this Mm -hmm. like, epiphany almost. I mean, I'm not sure it happened overnight, but you know, just from the blog post and everything, which we're going to link to so you can see the whole story about this. But um, you kind of had this come to, you know, <laughs> come to yourself moment on a yeah. porch talking to a friend. So take us kind of into that story. Yeah. Well, um, first of all, um, I grew up lower middle class, um, ended up working at a nonprofit for about seven years And my whole life, I wasn't conscious of this at the time, I was really driven by the idea that I was never enough and there would never be enough. And so I always had to strive, achieve, attain. Uh, So when I was a kid, that meant good grades. Um, When, you know, for a season, that meant religion. Uh, And uh, later in life, I just kind of kept, I, I kept trading one addiction for another that was supposed to make me good not realizing I was doing this at the time, but um, I worked for a nonprofit for about seven years and I was the marketing director there. So I learned about online marketing and I had always wanted to be a writer and I realized I can do this for myself. I can build my own brand and start a blog and maybe start writing and publishing some books. Right. And so I did that. And what happened in a short amount of time, in really less than a couple of years, I made more money than I ever thought I would make. Mm-hmm. I became more famous than I ever thought I would be. Yeah. Um, and, and within a few short years, 
I attained everything that I ever thought I wanted and more. And it was kind of underwhelming. And so life had been sending me these nudges yeah. uh, over the years. I've been doing this, this work now uh, as a full-time writer uh, since 2012. And a few years into it, I started to feel a little bit um, discontented. Hmm. I was like, really, is this all there is to this? You know, I, I would have thought that I would have been either like happier or like so strung out on, you know, drugs and addictions right. that I'd be on VH1 behind the scenes. Right. And it was neither version of those stories because both are kind of glamorous in their own ways, you know, sure, sure. like either it would be told like the worst thing in the world. And I would know, see, it's it, success really is bad, which, you know, there's a middle class voice in the back of my head that says, don't don't succeed too much. Don't become too much because uh, that's not what we do. Um, and, and so, like, I would have known that on the other side of your dreams is pain. And that's why you shouldn't have dreams. Like, there's a really... Uh, yeah, like masochistic part of me that yeah. would have enjoyed that revelation. Like, see, this really is terrible. Don't, don't, don't be rich. Uh, don't be successful because it, it'll only bring you pain. Uh, or it, it'd be the most amazing thing in the world. And I was expecting either one of those extremes, mm -hmm. not this other thing, which was, oh, I'm still me. Mm -hmm. And I'm still wondering if that's enough. Yeah. And so I was sitting on my friend's porch who happens to be a priest and psychotherapist. Uh, so you better believe all the secrets are coming out, you right. know, hanging, hanging out, sipping bourbon on his porch. And uh, they did. And I just, uh, as is the case with these things, I was listening to myself say things that surprised me. Mm. And one of the things that I heard myself say is nothing that I've ever done has felt like a success. And Rick, as you know, I come from the world of online marketing. Yep. And so the one thing that we are trained to do, I mean, this is not overt, but it's very um, implicit, yep. is you are trained to sell your lifestyle to other people. Yep. Look at me, best-selling author of five books. Mm -hmm. You know, I reach millions of people every month. Uh, and I will sell you my lifestyle. And I have mm -hmm. courses and speeches and books um, that talk about a lot of those principles. And I've always done it in what I feel like is an integrist, integrist and honorable way. Right. But um, I have achieved things that many people have wanted to achieve. And I have used that as authority. Well, you can trust me. Mm -hmm. um, and the truth is none of it made me happy. And it's like that Zig Ziglar quote, um, uh, uh, nobody believes money will make you happy, but we all have to find out for ourselves. Right. And, and so I'm sitting on the porch going, what is missing? And I'm, I'm, I'm grasping. I'm going, do I need another career change? Do I need to write more books and do less of this online marketing thing, which to me has always felt a little disingenuous? Mm -hmm. Do I need to speak more? Do I need to do this? Do I need to, to, to do that? Because what I was experiencing, Rick, was anytime I succeeded at something, say I hit a bestsellers list with yep. uh, a recent book. Yep. As soon as I achieve some level of success, I immediately look at some area in which I'm failing. Hmm. like a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, yeah. So hit the bestseller. I, I hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, but not the New York Times. Interesting. Uh, I sold, sold 10,000 copies, but I didn't sell 20,000 copies. And I'm always comparing it to somebody else. Like so-and-so mm -hmm. did. Why aren't you yeah. doing what so-and-so is doing? Yep. And the new illusion for me at that time was, um, 
I need to be living more authentically. I need to be doing my art this way and not compromising anything and not doing the online marketer thing. So I share this with my friend Ian. And I go, nothing I've ever done has felt like success. And I go, that's bizarre, right? Like that's bad. And he just looked at me in a very therapeutic voice said, that's something. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he didn't give me a lot of answers. He just basically said, underneath all this activity, there's a question. And you've got to find a way to answer that question. And all last year, um, about eight months of last year, I spent trying to answer that question. Hmm. Sounds so familiar, Jeff. And I know you and I kind of have known each other, but we've never really had time to like sit and talk. But it's the exact same way I feel. I have, yeah. I have been through so many iterations of career, um, starting in hospitality, working for Marriott hotels, moving through different places, finally becoming, you know, director of marketing on a global basis for a software company, traveling the world, everything was good. And then of course everything crashed when I came out of the closet, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And now I'm moving forward and I have a, a modicum of success, but I just sit here at times and go, but, 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 and then like you, things start to hit. So underneath all of that, as you started to explore, what was something that really surprised you most as you dug into, wait, I gotta, I gotta go answer this question as your friend Ian said. The thing that surprised me the most was that everything I was searching for, I already had. Mm. And I had come from a Christian background, uh, which I think you're familiar with. Uh, and I had been told and had read all the stories that God was this, God was love. And, and this thing is living inside of you. The mm -hmm. source of all being and happiness and love is living inside of you is a very Christian idea. You know, you accept Jesus as your savior. And now yeah. uh, Jesus who is God is living inside of you. And yet I had experienced going to church since I was 18, 19 years old. Um, right very religiously part of the, the yep, yep. phrase. <laughs> I, I had never really felt that. I never really felt like love lives inside of me completely and wholly and everything that I need, I have access to internally. I was always grasping for the next thing. The next, um, well, you know, I worked for a Christian mission organization. Right, right. So the next um, spiritual discipline, maybe I should fast. I'll fast. Maybe right. I should go on more mission trips. Maybe I should help more people. Uh, when I started making a lot of money, I felt very guilty. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I went from making $30,000 a year to making over $150,000 a year and then progressively doubled or tripled my income every single year for five years in a row without right. fail. And I had this low grade guilt and shame. And so I started giving away large sums of money. Like, and it was all an attempt to do something externally, to get something internally. And when I, when I was left with all these things that I had done, um, I thought, well, none of these things worked. Mm -hmm. and, and so I began to strip them all away. What if I let go of this and that? And, and, and a lot of times it was just the uh, identification with the thing. Yep. So um, maybe you can relate to this. Uh, totally. I, I kept blowing up pieces of my life going, this is the thing now. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, you know, a missionary. I'm a writer. And now I'm a writer. Like, and that's my identity. Mm -hmm. And underneath all, and I just kept let, I'm like, maybe I'm not a writer, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what if I let go of that? Every label, husband, writer, Christian, underneath all that activity, is there something here? And every time I let go of a layer, and, and sometimes I would have to actually do something externally, like I downsized the business just so I had some mm-hmm. space to think. But right. a lot of it was just mental. Yep. Uh, and I would let go of an emotional attachment to one of these identities that I thought I was. I literally thought, if I stop doing this, I won't be me anymore. And not just doing it, like stop succeeding at a certain level. Always got to do more. Always got to do bigger. And anytime you don't do that, it threatens your identity. And so I began to let go of that and go, I don't care. I don't care. That's not who I am. And, and eventually, you just keep stripping away layers till you get to the core or close to it. And every time I'd let yep. go of something, I would go, that feels okay. Like I'm still me. Mm-hmm. And the more I did it, the happier I got, the more joy I experienced. And I came in contact with myself and it wasn't a terrible hot mess like I thought it would be. And I thought, wow, I don't need anything. I'm, f- I'm fine. I'm great. Uh, and one of the words I started to fall back in love with is this idea of being perfect, mm-hmm. um, which most people go, oh, nobody's perfect. Well, I think everybody's perfect um, at your core. And it's interesting that the original uh, connotation mm-hmm. for the word perfect uh, means not without flaw necessarily, but complete. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I began to feel more and more me. And, and I loved it. I was like, I like this guy. He's great. And I realized I had never really liked myself. And I had always used fear of not being enough and shame. You're kind of a piece of crap and you need to do something to not be a piece of crap to earn my way into being a better version of myself. And, and what surprised me the most was I was already that thing that I was striving to be. I just had to let go of all the other, other things that I thought were bringing me closer to it when really they were just putting another layer, another external layer on the um, internal core. And it's an interesting journey because we do this. Like, it's like, okay, we're supposed to do this and do that. And uh, as you're talking, I'm, I'm being kind of quiet because I'm like, he's hitting the nail on the head. He, now he's got the hammer. out. He's like totally <laughs> doing this because I've on this same journey. I have, you know, I started out as the coming out coach and that was great. And then I'm like, okay, well, what else and what else? And then it's literally, and, and those who've listened to the podcast recently know, it's like I've come back to my core because what I know I'm called to do and what I get goosebumps about is working with guys, working with guys to get to what you just said, to that core of who they are and not being afraid to go there. And too many people are afraid when you said the phrase, come into contact with yourself. So many people are afraid to do that. Right. Because they don't know what that really looks like, even yeah. though we do. We do know what that looks like, but for some reason we think we have to keep putting layers and layers and layers and layers of stuff on it to go, okay, yeah, this is me, which pieces of it are. I mean, yeah, we're dads, we're podcasters, we're writers, we're all these different things, but at the core, I'm just a guy who wants to live a good life and help other people live good lives, and that's kind of the essence of why I'm here. That's it, plain and simple. But there are daily... (laughs) this morning, especially there were moments where I'm like, okay, well, I got to do this because of this. And I just had a conversation with one of my coaches around, you know, we need to do this with the brand. And I'm like, okay, that's a nice idea. But I would normally, the old Rick 
would have been like, okay, yeah, if I do that, then this brand's going to go flying through the roof. And this time I said, okay, well, let me, let me take that in. Let me think about that. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not as important anymore. I mean, it's important. Yes. I want to make a living. I don't want to be like, you know, not doing something, but I operate much more from does this match with who Rick is? Mm. We really are addicted to the results. Yes. And there's an entire culture of that and marketing can really feed into that. You know, marketing is the story that there's something missing in your life. Oh, there is something missing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there is something missing. I do feel a little bit of emptiness now. You didn't feel it 20 seconds ago, but now you realize everybody has whiter teeth than you do. And you go, Mm -hmm. yes, I would love that. And I am a little bit unhappy about that. Sell me the, 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 the white strips. Right. And, um, I think the sort of binary nature of, of the way most of us live our lives um, is, you know, there's a duality to it where you're like, well, if I don't do that, I'll, I'll only do this. Meaning yes. if I let go of my addiction to success, mm-hmm. I won't succeed. And yep. that's actually not true. Um, Cause you are actually not, I don't think you're the old Rick or the new Rick. Mm-hmm. I don't even think you're Rick. You are the one who gets to decide to be the old Rick, the new Rick, the gay Rick, the straight Rick, or you you call yourself Bob. Yep. Right. Like you are the one who is deciding how this is going to go. And, and life actually gets really, really fun when you realize you're playing monopoly and you're not the thimble Mm. or the dog or that top hat. You are the hand that moves the game piece. Mm-hmm. And so when you pass to, when you pass go and you get $200, you go, that's cool. I need that to play the game. Right. But you don't for a second, like take that off of the game board and go to the bank and like deposit it into your bank account. Right. And that's life mm-hmm. is it's a game and there's rules. And if you understand that you are not the game piece, mm-hmm. you can have a lot of fun playing the game. When the game's over, you understand that like just because you didn't win uh, that particular game at that particular time, like you're still you, you don't yep. cease to be. And as a performance addict, you know, who's recovering from that, um, I have found incredible freedom in letting go of the results and playing the game for the fun of it. Yep. And I knew that this stuff was actually starting to work because I wasn't trying to do anything, but I knew that it was um, holding let, like it was, it, it had released its talons on my heart a little bit. Uh, one month uh, without really trying, made over $100,000 last year. Mm-hmm. And that's a good month for me. Yeah, in the business. Yeah. And I go, that's great. Uh, the next month lost $20,000. I go, mm-hmm. that's great. And mm-hmm. it was the exact same reaction. But Usually what would happen, you know, the old Jeff would go, I made $100,000. Now I got to make $200,000 next month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to at least match this, if not beat it. Yeah. And, and then when it went in the opposite direction, I lost money the next month. I was like, yeah, that's okay. But I wasn't like, I was like, that's a problem that has to be solved because I need cash to pay my bills and run the yep. business and et cetera. Yep. So exactly. we're going to take care of that. But I didn't have to get all emotionally caught up in it. Mm-hmm. And life business, family, it actually all becomes a lot more fun when you don't need any of it. Mm -hmm. And I now believe that anything I'm trying to control, I can't love. Yes. You cannot control anything. You cannot love anything you're trying to control. 
So when I started to let go of control, cause, which is really what I was doing, I was trying to control life in such a way that I would get what I wanted out of it. I could be happy. So I'm going to achieve so I get this. I'm going to make my wife, you know, or I'm going to act this way around my wife so she'll act this way back to me so that I can feel love. And, I'm, and I was getting, you know, I get mad at my kids for not being perfect. And I noticed when some of this stuff was happening, just these realizations, I was going yeah. on walks, letting go of what I thought was important and realizing another beautiful way of living and being. Um, and I, I realized I hadn't yelled at my kids in several weeks, like at all. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't yelled at them because I wasn't mad at them. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't been mad at them because I wasn't trying to control them anymore. That's that's very like, profound. It's that yeah. to be clear. Well, yeah. But, um, exactly. but we're, we're parents. Yeah. The awareness, like I'm not trying to control everything anymore and life is still happening and I'm enjoying the game more instead of like stressing out about how many times I can pass go. Mm-hmm. It's a profound awareness that I find, especially when I am working with someone who's like, okay, I want to go do this thing. I don't care what it is, whether it's right. coming out of the closet about their sexuality or they want to leave their corporate job and go, you know, start their own gig. This awareness of you don't control anything, <laughs> no matter how, right. I mean, yeah. yes, in a way we kind of do, but it's like every action leads to some point of action. You know, whatever happens, something's going to happen, but we can't really control it. And I was talking to a client this past week and, and he said, I really don't know what to do. And I said, is it that you don't know what to do or you don't know what to control? Wow. And he That's got good. really quiet. <laughs> oh, geez. And I, you know, when I, as a coach, when I hear a client get really quiet, I'm like, okay, don't jump in. This is, yeah. the, you know, there's something happening here. Right. And he goes, wow. I never realized how much of my life I'm trying to control miserable it is miserable and it's still miserable i catch myself doing it from time to time and it the moment i step into that you know i'm going to use my brand the moment i step into that closet of control nothing gets done nothing because i'm locked up and i have to control i have to control i have to control and in that moment i am so out of control because in, there's nothing you can control in life. I can't control that, you know, what's going to happen in the next two minutes that you and I are having this conversation any more than I can control what's going to happen four hours from now. Right. And I think we get so hung up on it. And it's kind of ironic because we are actually recording this like the day after the Oscars. And yeah. everybody was so convinced, so convinced that Glenn Close was going to get the Oscar for actor. And it was so fascinating to watch the cameras as that announcement came. And I can't remember the other gal's name who won, but mm-hmm. the gal from The Favorite. And to watch Glenn Close's face and the reaction. And even though a lot of people are like, oh, she was pissed. I'm like, maybe. But I think Glenn was probably sitting there going, okay, this is out of my control. Uh, it's, this is just what life does. Mm-hmm. And the minute we try to control everything we get the most out of control. That's my philosophy. But. Yeah. I mean, if you're in your closet, it's dark, <laughs> it's cramped, mm-hmm. but in a way you have control of everything. It's just yes. not much. You mm-hmm. know, you have control of the darkness. Uh, but as soon as you step outside, two things happen. One, you lose all control. People can accept you, reject you, whatever. Yeah. Be happy with you, sad with you, whatever. But you're, you also step into the light, you experience the joy of just being a part of this world. 
Mm-hmm. And like, to me, that's the choice. Stay in yes. the closet, stay in uh, a falsehood, right? Yep. Um, stay in the dark mm-hmm. and you're safe. Yep. But you're not living. You're not, that's not reality. Well, and the live. question really yeah. comes though, are you really safe? <laughs> not really <laughs> because you're not, you're living in some false sense of safety. Yeah. It's just know? not life. It's just not life. It's not living. Yeah. yeah. And I know for me, for many, the many years that I was in the closet and then when I was in the closet around career and all this yeah, other stuff, yeah, yeah. there was nothing safe because what I was not doing was being real. At any given moment, the reality of me hiding in the closet of my sexuality meant that I could get caught. I could get caught, you know, literally with my pants down and things could have gone really crazy, you know? Right, right, right. I did get caught, but it was of my own doing. And it was when I took control of the situation to the best of my ability and said, okay, I've, this, this has got to stop. I've yeah. got to get real. And that's where I think, you know, we use the word control, but I, I believe when we step into those moments where we say, okay, this decision is going to get made, it is, a, it is a piece of control, but I'm moving the game piece. I'm making that move. Right. And I, I love when you use that as the metaphor. Of, I'm just moving the game piece. To me, the more we just realize we're just moving the game pieces in our life. I don't know what that move may do at times. Sometimes I do know what I'm, I know what might happen. I know that by reaching out to Jeff and saying, I'm going to move the game piece and I really like to have you on my podcast. Mm-hmm. I knew I could make that move, but I couldn't control Jeff's response to whether it was yes or no. And then once it was a yes, then I knew what the next game piece could be like. And then, you know, so it's those things of just realizing, let's have fun in the game of life. Yes, at times it really sucks, but that's okay. That's part of the journey. Yeah, it it is really freeing to look at it as, like if you look at life as a game, Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't mean to trivialize pain or anything like that, um, but, but it does give you the freedom to experience it like a game, which would be cause and effect. Something happens, yes. there's a consequence versus good or bad, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think those of us who are control freaks, what we try to do is control our environments. We try to ex- control the external environment so that we can change yep. our internal environment. Mm-hmm. I want to control everything so that I can be happy. We're, we're yep. rarely conscious about this, but that's essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. Happy, have a meaningful life, joyful, content, whatever. They're all the same thing to me. I want to control this thing externally so that I feel okay inside and it never works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just keep trying to control more things and it, and it never works. And it just creates more anxiety because now you've identified with all these things. And if they stop working the way that you want them to work, there's a voice inside of you that says, well, we'll die. You'll cease to be yep. who you are if this yep. stops going this way. Yep. Um, so what's interesting, maybe even ironic, is when you invert it, when you work on the internal, when you, be, when you come into alignment with who you really are, Absolutely. which I do think is a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. I had a friend come out of the closet, and his name is Justin, and he said, this is just me being more of me. I'm not gay Justin now. Like, right. I'm just me. Yeah. But I, I mean, to be frank, I think you see that with all kinds of insights people have with mm-hmm. sexuality, career, I did it. Yep. I'm the writer now. Yes. And it became a new illusion. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I'm the one. I'm the guy. I'm, I'm the being that decided to be a writer in the first place. And I can decide to be something else and I don't cease to be me. Right. But what's cool is when you, when you just start to be more true, more honest about who you really are as you understand that right now, the external environment can accept that, reject it. You can succeed, fail but it doesn't matter. Mm -mm. 
It's as soon as we put matter to the meaning, then, you know, it kind of gets screwed up. You know, I don't, I don't know that anything I could say I am at this point in time has really any big meaning to anybody, maybe but me, but when other people make meaning of it, then I get to choose, okay, well, yeah, that's your meaning of it. And then suddenly the whole ball starts to snowball and we can get really screwed up. And when I just say, yeah, this is, this is another piece of me. There it is. I don't know what that means other than I'm doing this. I'm doing X, Y, Z. Yes, I know I, I do a podcast because I really enjoy it, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I do a podcast. There it is. As soon as I put more to it, yeah, that's when things can kind of get wonky and really screwy because then the judgments show up, then the comparisons and, um, the comparison thing to me is one of the biggest. And as you were speaking earlier in the, the podcast, I was sitting there going, Yep. I grew up in that household that like being success was like, yeah, we go for it, but don't be too successful. Yeah. And every time I start to step one step forward, that little voice shows up again, but I'm like, what meaning am I giving to this? There's some value I'm giving to that. That actually is getting in the way of me feeling good about who I am. And only in the last six months would I say that I've really started to step into those spaces of, Yes, I like to speak. I'm a speaker. Mutual friend Grant Baldwin, you know, I'm part of his team and now, and I, you know, I've gone through his program, but I only speak when I want to speak. (laughs) And that's what works for me. I'm a podcaster and I'm starting my new podcast in another month or so, but I do this on my terms and I don't put a lot of meaning to it. You know, yes, I want it to be part of my overall stuff that I'm here to do on the planet, but I'm trying really hard to not put a lot of meaning to too many things because otherwise I drive myself crazy. Yeah. And then suddenly I'm trying, well, what's the meaning behind this book? What's the meaning behind this? It's just stuff I want to do. And I think a lot of people get wrapped up in this external stuff. And so I just had a conversation with somebody this morning. They're like, how do you do everything you're doing? You've got two podcasts going, you're writing articles, you're coaching people, you're doing, working with Grant, da, da, da. I said, it's because I'm choosing to do these things at any given time. I could say, okay, you know what? This one thing, it's gone. Mm -hmm. But when we give ourselves that permission to look at it from the perspective of, is this aligned with who I am at my core? Mm -hmm. Then it's so much easier to stay in focus, to not yell at the kids, (laughs) to (laughs) move your life forward because you're putting that little barometer on. Does this align with who I am instead of, Ooh, if I do this, what will come from it? Right, right. I think that's a big difference. Yeah, or, or what will come from it that will affect me? Who will I be as a result of this? Mm-hmm. That's, a good, I, that's a great one. Who I think it was I? Michelle Obama who said of uh, Barack Obama when, when he was elected president, she said, you know, um, and this was when he was reelected, um, she said, you know, a lot of people say that influence changes your character mm-hmm. power etc yep, yep. she says that's not been true in my experience she was speaking of the president at the time mm-hmm. she said influence doesn't change your character it reveals it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so what you achieve does not change who you are in some ways it places a magnifying glass on it and it, it may be a little bit uncomfortable Um, but there's something really freeing about understanding you are not what you do. Most people, you know, in this positive, like we want to be positive. We're actually pretty cynical culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, um, we would say you're not your failure. Yes. 
But, but do you say that? Are you expressing that to the kid when you give him a trophy when he wins the soccer game? Mm-hmm. When you're giving your, you know, your child, I mean, parenting is a great example of it because it, it shows how early on this conditioning happens yeah. where you give them 20 bucks for getting straight A's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not being honest. Right. Because if you aren't your failure, you can't be your success. Mm-hmm. Yep. You aren't the thing that you do. Now, look, it's, I don't, am I opposed to rewards or what? No, no, no. It's fine. I want to pass, go and collect $200. That's the game. But I used to act a lot in plays in college. When I put on the costume, stepped on stage, and became a different character, I knew I was playing a role. And so one of the very freeing things about getting set free from this addiction to do this thing so that I can become myself, I'm actually free to do lots of things. Now, if there's certain things that aren't, like I just feel like at a gut level, an intuitive level, it's just not in alignment with who I am right now. It worked for a while, now it doesn't work, or I have to compromise my, my values or something. That's a different deal. But I used to be like, should I, should I speak or should I only be the writer guy? I've got to be the writer guy. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And instead, I go, these are coats that I put on mm-hmm. and I go play the part and I take them off. Right. And there may be a time where I go, this coat isn't serving me anymore. This costume isn't serving me anymore. So I'm not going to play that role exactly. anymore. So I don't I, – I, I used to – I did a bunch of different things. I acted in plays, toured with a band right after college. And one of my friends who played bass – who is one of the most phenomen- phenomenally gifted musicians I've ever met, uh, could pick up any instrument and learn it like that in 30 wow. minutes. Incredible. Very smart person. Uh, he said, man, if I couldn't play music, I don't know what I'd do. Hmm. And there was this little voice in my head that said, well, I would just go do something else. Mm-hmm. I was a professional musician at the time. I was playing mm-hmm. five to 10 shows a week. This was my dream, and I was yeah. underwhelmed by the whole thing. Mm. And so I went and found something else. And I think the greatest temptation when you're living in the closet is to step out of the closet and then identify with some other thing that you think you are and you step right into another closet. Mm -hmm. The goal, I think, is to step out and just be here and be you. Mm -hmm. Uh, A a teacher that I like a lot, his name's Anthony DeMello, says – Everybody wants to tell you that you're okay or that it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. He says, you're not okay and you're not not okay. You're you. Exactly. You're you. Because as soon as I tell you you're okay, now there's a possibility that you can't be okay. Right. As soon yeah, as I give you a trophy, now you're afraid that you can't, you won't get a trophy next time. Exactly. Instead of just being going, just going, I am the hand that moves the piece. Mm-hmm. I am never the game piece. I'm always the hand. So I will choose to enjoy the game no matter what. Good, good things come, fine. Bad things come, fine. Now, obviously, we all like, don't do this perfectly and, and live these stoic lives. But whenever I get sucked up in that, I go, am I? Do I think I'm the game piece right now? Right. You know? and, or the opposite happens. I get a bunch of pats on the back. I go, mm-hmm. oh, this is really good. I'm that guy now. And before yeah, I realize yeah. it, I'm back in a closet. It's dark and I'm, yeah. my head is hitting hangers. Yep. And I go, this is not what I want to do. I want to live free from all of these labels mm-hmm. to just be me. Yeah. It's an amazing space and it's a really good space to kind of come full circle here because what you just brought up is something I talked to so many people that I have worked with in the sexuality arena. And actually now that I'm doing some stuff with people outside of that arena about the things they want to go do, 
it's so interesting that the moment someone steps out and says, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm bi, I'm trans, whatever. Uh I love my community, but they start getting all these messages. Okay, well, if you're gay, here's how you do it. Wow. If you're bi, that's how you do it. It's interesting, isn't it? And it's very interesting. And my nudge that I give people is you didn't just come out of one closet to go back into another. And you, you actually said that. Yeah. And it was so interesting because that's my philosophy. If you're going to step out of the closet, there's no reason to go back into another closet just to please somebody else. Because if you come out as gay, you could step right into the closet of here's how you do gay to come, you know, yeah. to play the game the way everybody who's gay. And I love, again, I love my brothers and sisters who are listening. Yeah. I wish all of us would really listen to this. If you leave your corporate job because you want to go do your own thing or you want to go start a nonprofit, yes, you're going to get advice. You're going to get lots of advice how to do this, but be you in that moment. Right. Be you every step of the way. Yeah. Cause it won't make you happy is the no, thing. No, it won't. And it's, and it's another, it's another version of brainwashing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can talk about this with any, like masculinity, you know, you, you talk about that too. Um, like what does it mean to be masculine? Right. And, and, uh, you know, growing up, uh, straight, you know, uh, and still straight, uh, you know, there's all, there's always this like pressure to be a certain kind of man, you know? And Mm -hmm. I was like, I just don't like, I don't feel that macho, Mm -hmm. you know, now there's certain things that I think are, look like healthy masculinity for me, but, um, we live in a world that does this yes. in careers and sexuality, uh, gender roles, uh, all the roles that you play in your life. Yep. Every role is trying to brainwash you into, into something you saying I'm the role. You're mm-hmm. not the role. You, you chose mm-hmm. this. You could not choose it tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of how you're going to play the role. And there's something behind all this that is moving the game piece. You know, and that's you. Exactly. And I think the I think the goal of life is to just keep pulling back layers and go, what's that? Because mm-hmm. nobody else gets to tell you what that looks like, what it sounds like, what it acts like, and, and there's nothing to do. You just be it. Mm-hmm. And the more I pull back layers and find that, I go, wow, this is great. Yep. I have nothing to prove. What's more freeing than that? I could just be here. I was. Um, uh, uh, I was doing a personal retreat recently at a hotel and I, um, was like sitting in the hot tub, like nervously mm-hmm. tapping my fingers. I'm like trying to relax and I can't relax. Cause I had been in this like, go, 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 go mode. Right. And I had to like, really just kind of calm down, breathe a little bit. I actually, I went outside, which was, it was kind of cold. I swam outside for a little bit. Like I just had to sort of shock my system mm-hmm. to like forget the role that I've been playing all day of like dad, yeah. husband, yeah. Uh, you know, professional. Cause there was just this low grade anxiety. Like you got to do something. And I was like, right. the point was to not do anything. And so it's actually really hard to just mm-hmm. be. It is very hard. And then, but, but eventually I let like all the anxiety passed and I was just there and I didn't have anything to do and I didn't have anywhere to be. And I go, this is perfect. It's all about, yeah. This is complete. I don't need to add anything to this moment for it to be good. And so that's, that's what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. 
getting to that place as much and as often as I can. Cause from there, from that place of centeredness, I can go do, I can do, go do lots of things, yeah. achieve love. Like the other cool thing is when you're free from controlling people so that they can give you love, you're actually free to love them more. Mm-hmm. When I don't need my wife, I'm able to love her because I don't need her to do anything for me. I'm already me. I'm loved. I'm complete. And I, I, I can give from a better place when I do that. I can actually do better work because now I'm not trying to do what I think my audience wants, the thing, the way that they want it. Yeah. So that they give me what I want, which is, you know, approval, which I interpret as love. Yeah. And I can do better work. Absolutely. Jeff, this has been such a great conversation, man. I'm so, so happy to share this because it shows the power of when you give yourself permission, which is a big thing for me that I talk about a lot, to just go be yourself, how different things can be because you're not stacking yourself against Mm -hmm. all this external stuff that we tend to do. So um, great stuff, bro. Love thank it. you. I'm honored. Thank Thanks for the work that you're doing. It, thank you. It's just it, amazing. It does matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And, and everyone listening, you do matter too. And let yourself come out of your closets to be exactly who you're meant to be. No matter how hard you might think it is, it's actually much easier. When you step into that bold space of being who you are, letting the fears fall away and living your life without apology. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone. Go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.